0: I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Some sort of demented creature, surviving in the wilderness, full grown by now. The
1: living in the taste. Know what one, only $1.99 buys you at Ponderosa right now? It's you will get nothing. you like it. Let's watch.
0: Watch. Hot weight is dead. Pontiac Fiero.
1: It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. My density has popped me to you.
0: But it's only authentic if it says members only right here. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the Eighties, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s. <laughs>
1: the best that we remember.
0: Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you, Ralph. Again, fun. we don't get Matt with us tonight. <coughs> 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 We miss you, sounds like he's here. It does sound (laughs) like he's here. We miss you, buddy. This week, we are going to be talking about the year 1981. So last week, we talked about 1985, talked about some of the cultural trends, fashions, news stories, and so forth. We're going to do the same thing this week, but with 1981. So we're going to bounce around the decade. We're not going in order. I'm going to keep you guessing. This week, (laughs) it's 1981. So we're going to start off with a little segment we like to call in the news. Gentlemen, I trust that you have some news stories from 1981 you would like to share with us. Mike, why don't you go first? Why, yes, I actually came sort of prepared. All right. Like last week. uh, What's the song of the thing and the stuff?
2: (laughs) Hey, I do what I can do. In the news, President Reagan appoints Sandra Day O'Connor to the Supreme Court. She's the first female associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, and she was a member from 1981 through 2006. I don't
0: even remember that. Don't you? I paid zero attention to politics. Like, I knew who the president was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about it. Well, you Every know. Every once in a while, there'd be things that would make the
1: news, like, you know, but not. I think it's one of those things I remember... I mean, I, I know that now looking back, but in uh-huh. 85 or 81, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, awesome. It wasn't in our collective conscience no, no. as teenagers. There, there are more so, important things where I was worried about as a 14-year-old. So We're just wondering if the Russians <laughs> love their children, too.
0: Like so. <laughs> Kevin, what about you?
1: Well, everybody's been at a, a stadium at some point in their life, probably, and seen the wave break out. Oh, okay. yeah. Someone gets a start, it starts working away around the crowd. Well... Apparently, crazy George Henderson, who was a professional cheerleader. um, Professional? He was paid? Apparently so. (laughs) Wow. He led an audience wave in Oakland, California, and it's believed to be the first audience wave. So it started in 81, apparently. The reason I found this interesting is because I was listening to a Reds game one time, Cincinnati Reds, and their um, radio announcer is Marty (laughs) and at the time. And he... I remember him saying, "Oh, he goes. Here goes the wave." He's just, he's so disgusted by it. He goes. He goes. That you know, like Marty. I yeah, I know. Yeah. He goes. You know, I heard recently that someone was trying to take credit for that. He goes. That's like trying to take credit for inventing the laser suit. <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw this news story, I thought, "Wow, I bet Marty Brennaman would be like to know, know who did this, so he could go punch him in the face, probably." That's great. So, <laughs> Yeah, I,
0: it's one of the things I loved about Marty is his uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek commentary. Oh yeah, like he would criticize Reds management. Oh and, yeah, and like like if a game was going sideways, he was well, I guess we're gonna endure another three more innings of this. Yeah, he
1: he couldn't hold his tongue, and then he had to go interview the manager after the game or whatever. Yeah. It's like now you gotta face him, you know. So but that's the way it was. Yeah, it was him. For me,
0: the biggest news story of 1981. Mm was the launch of MTV on August 1st. Oh, it wasn't the launch of the Space Shuttle Columbia. Well, yeah, it, wasn't. it was, it was
1: okay. President getting shot, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not to a, us, MTV. <laughs> I was a
0: teenager. MTV coming on was the biggest news story for me that year. Yeah. Prior to MTV, you know, we had to get music from the radio stations and stuff, and sometimes there were some video shows on and so forth, but by and large, new music... We had to listen to the radio to find out. When the MTV came along, we, started, we were suddenly getting exposed to music all over the world, yeah. some artists we never heard of, and that's really like how I built up a lot of my music library as a teenager back then, was I would hear Adam and the Ants, I'm going to go out and buy that album, or hey, here's Split Ends, or... It says Rock Pile. Like there are groups that were out there that I would have never ever heard of before that. Did I go buy a Rock Pile album? No. But they were a band that came to my mind just now from early T V days. <laughs> I mean if you grew up in northeast Ohio, you know, it was all
2: rock and roll stations. You go to M T V, like I've never heard of that band, you know. So it was a place to discover new music and not just the same old, old Cleveland
1: rock and roll, so yeah. Yeah. It definitely opened up the world to the, the us to the whole world of music and, and there's news stories I mean we found out about things that we had, wouldn't have heard on local radio stations you know the news yeah. that they were covering so yeah it was it was life changing for sure yeah and yeah. I know you'll know name all the original BJ's
0: JJ Jackson Nina Blackwood Martha Quinn Alan Hunter and Mark Goodman good job man impressive thanks I just I they were like my friends it was a softball for you it was thank you thanks for having me look good <laughs> so uh, another 1981 news story that comes to mind that, that I remember back then was when uh, Charles and Diana got married.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I never, even to this day, I could never figure out our fascination with British monarchy. Like we broke away from them. Right. Like we broke
1: up with them. Right. Right. Why do we, Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. It's like we not only really really broke up, with them, but we don't want to know what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> there, know, like
0: what? Yeah, we, yeah. we the, abused them domestically. <laughs> we sure did. And like we break away from them because of things like the monarchy and the taxation, all that other stuff. We decide we're going to tax our people at higher rates than ever. Right. And for some reason, we have a fascination with them. And King Charles, they're talking about his coronation coming mm-hmm. here soon, and suddenly we're fascinated again. Like, I i can
1: never get it. Like, I don't care. When their kids are having babies, it's like national news. Yeah. I don't... It doesn't matter to me. No. I'm not <laughs> going to watch his coronation. Although, I will say I watched the, I watched the wedding back in 81. It was an early 70s. Did you watch morning. the funeral? Um... I listened to it on the radio. I was on my way to play golf. I was on my way to vacation. My wife was like, yes, we have to listen.
0: My, my parents were watching it, and they were going, are you watching this? I'm like, no. Why, why would I watch
2: that? <laughs> I don't know. I have a wife that's all into the, the Royals and all of the mm. English history and all the Netflix shows and <sighs> whatever you know sort of thing. And somehow she didn't like Rambo. I <laughs> know. Last yes. one. Yes. Seriously. Yes, that's was
0: crazy. The,
2: the uh, 52 American hostages were released after 444 days after being held captive in Iran. Yes. Do we credit Ronald Reagan or do we credit Jimmy Carter?
0: We credit Ronald Reagan. Comes, we do, yeah. It wasn't done when Carter was in office. It was, yeah. it was after, but he let uh, Jimmy Carter go and welcome them home. I'm sure there's a lot of stress on Jimmy Carter's plate, and that's probably one of the reasons why he lost the election, I think, is the way that... He looked he weak. Out. He did look weak. So Ronnie gets in and gets it done right away, because that's the kind of guy he is. Was, yeah. Uh, IBM released its first personal computer August 12, 1981. So August 1981 is like one of those those mile
1: marker... Yeah, multiple months. big things happen yeah. in there, yeah.
0: Great. Great stuff. All right, we're going to take a brief break here, and we're going to be right back, and we're going to get into our list of fashions and trends and TV and movies and all that other stuff. So hang tight. We will be right back. Thank you for listening to Living in the 80s. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost, we want to thank Spotify for Podcasters for providing this platform, as well as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and about a dozen others. We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out on our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Most of all, we want to thank you for listening. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. Uh, as we mentioned before, we're going back to 1981, and we're going to talk, first of all, about some fashion trends of 1981. And uh, We've got our resident fashion guru here, Snowball so well
2: you have to remember it's 1981 i'm 11 years old 12 years old so not really
0: not hit your fashion stride i haven't hit
2: my stride yet just starting to maybe pick out a few things here and there the biggest memory is uh getting my first leather basketball shoes they were converse all-stars much like magic johnson and uh larry bird were wearing um they retailed at hundred dollars, which is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. I can't believe my father paid that. Really? Yes. I don't remember. Hmm. I had some back then. I
0: don't remember paying that much.
2: Yeah. So that's the first leather shoe I had. Now I'm sure, probably a year later, two years later, I'm sure the prices probably were cut in half when they were first, you know, made public for everybody to purchase. Going from your Chuck Taylors to your Converse All Stars, it was a, a big jump. Um, as far as other fashion. Eh, most of the fashion was, you know, my favorite sports teams. You know, I had a Drew Pearson jersey oh, yeah. or a lot of Cincinnati Reds jerseys and T-shirts. and But a lot of, at that time, kind of started to get into the whole school spirit. So, you know, my local high school, elementary school wearing a lot of spirit wear. So that was kind of my, your gig. my gig back then. I think we were kind of transitioning Just at the very end of the disco look, you know, the butterfly collars were still somewhat, you know, if I look at my sixth grade picture, there's a butterfly collar. It's a silk shirt. I want to see it. I don't have it with me, (laughs) but you're going to have to post it. (laughs) (laughs) But I could share that with you. And I remember I have a beaded necklace on, so I was starting to get a little fashion sense. It wasn't a good one. But it was starting.
0: Well, it does sound better than a jelly bracelet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You'll see the necklace. You'll probably be
0: like, I don't know. He should probably put that jelly bracelet on. So, yeah, I don't so. think there's any reality that I ever say that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Kevin, tell us about your fashion so my my, my fashion sense, I was—I uh, turned 14 that year, so my fashion sense was... Yeah, I bought some new underoos. R- roll out of bed, uh, <laughs> wet my hair with a comb straight down, and then let it dry where it had kind of like that little curve to the side. I see a lot of kids do that today. I'm like, I know what he did. He rolled out of bed and combed his hair straight down. Um, so I couldn't care less what I looked like at that point. Um, I was probably wearing tough skins. Uh <laughs> with with patches on the knees um Uh inside the knee I inside um i was wearing some off-brand tennis shoe um let's see what else would i have had did you have a big comb hanging out of your back pocket Mm, not no i would comb it in the morning that's the last time i had to touch my hair oh i had to carry
2: a comb yeah i forgot that yeah that's about the time i started probably feathering my hair oh yeah i had the feather going on yeah for those of you that don't know what that is, it's, you pretty much had your hair parted down the middle, and then when you combed it back on the sides, the brush or the comb you used kind of gave it a texture like the feather of a bird.
0: Dude, I was I was feathering my hair in 1977. <laughs> Were you now? Yes, I was. I got school pictures to prove it. Wow. <laughs> my hair was pretty straight in the 70s. So, yep. Yep. I had the
1: feather going on. So what so was your fashion in the...
0: Um, so Levi's. Mm-hmm. Really? That, that's been consistent. consistent. Maybe a, t-shirt. T-shirt. Consistent. <laughs> <laughs> a t shirt? Consistent? A pair of tennis shoes. T, t- shirt, <laughs> tennis shoes. Uh I wore a lot of baseball
1: shirts. You know, the three quarter lengths. Yeah. 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 I had a lot of those. Um those shirts you would get when they go to a Reds game, they had like giveaway shirts or whatever? No. They they were just uh you know, they were like white oh, all white, white mm-hmm. with like different colors, like dark blue oh, or red okay. sleeves. Okay.
0: Yeah, they were usually three quarter lengths. Yeah. Sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. So I had it seems like I had two or three of those I wore it pretty consistently uh, sweatshirts, like you, sports shirts I had a Tony Dorset jersey I wore a lot back then um, occasionally I'd wear a polo shirt but not real often like I had one I like wore it when I had to or something <laughs> again, you know I'm in high school Like I'm, I'm like you, I'd get up and whatever I could do with my hair to make it not stick up is what I would do with it I had the feather going on but uh, it really wasn't super important to me. Uh, one trend that I really thought was cool back then was uh, guys that wear like a, a dress jacket with a tie, mm-hmm. and then jeans and tennis shoes with it. like. That was—I thought that was a pretty cool look, yeah. kind of like a Gabe Kaplan look or something. <laughs> you know, I was thinking more cooler like cooler than that. It was sort of like Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still rock and roll to me. That video—if you've seen that video—that's kind of the look that he had there. You weren't going for the Gabe Kaplan that's No, I was not. I was <laughs> Donald Worsak. That was more of a scarf and a military jacket. I think that he was wearing. So yeah, um, I do remember the shoes I was wearing. I remember getting a pair of, um, okay, so 1980 would have been my freshman year of high school, and then 1981 swings over halfway through the year. And I bought my first pair of Nikes. Like, I had Chuck Taylors, like, probably from seventh grade up until ninth grade. Uh, I had Chuck Taylors. And then about halfway through the year... Did
2: anybody own anything besides a pair of Chuck Taylors? I mean, I've uh, never I,
1: owned a pair of Chuck Taylors. Really? Not a... Yeah, never I remember ever. having Tom McCann yeah, shoes. Like I, I had Tom McCann.
0: Yeah, that I remember. Other brands? Converse? Yeah, that's it. As, as a kid, I wore you know whatever mom bought. Um, but Chuck Taylors, probably 6th, 7th grade, I started wearing those. But I, I got my first Nikes my freshman year of high school. I bought them with my paper route money. They were $23. And they were blue with a white stripe. I've got like Replicas of them today that I wear occasionally, but uh, that was that was my shoe. I, man, some of the most comfortable shoes I ever had. How much money were you making a week on that big paper route? Oh gosh, I was making about seventy or eighty bucks a month. That's so, pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, but it was uh, you know that's a almost that's a quarter of my paycheck buying them shoes. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I had I couldn't buy as much music that month. So. Couldn't take out as many babes that month. <laughs> yeah. And that's taking all kinds of babes out back then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that was my fashion or lack thereof in 1981. Very nice. All right. Now, we're going to transition now into memorable trends. Not, not as much fashion, though it could be. Um, like things that were going on culturally at the time that we can kind of drop ourselves in 1981 and go, huh. This was big back then. So, Kevin, let's start with you. I think
1: this was a time when I started when I was able to start having music mobilely, right? I, I had like a transistor radio with the long antenna, mm-hmm. batteries. I may have had a. Come on, Rob, go. Correct him. Correct, I'm correct not, it. not doing it. Correct Not doing it. Come on.
2: <laughs> How do you pronounce that word? I'm not going to be a wolf in sheep's clothing <laughs> right
1: now. Uh, <laughs> antenna. And, uh, Tanya. <laughs> and Tanya Tucker. <laughs> uh I think it had a cassette player and it you know, took like four or five batteries to run it. And I would have it on my bike when I was out So riding. like like so, a
0: walkman or
1: uh I mean yeah, probably some kind of knockoff of a that. fake walkman. Yeah. But up to that point it was like listening that's to music right. on the stereo at home or you listen to it in the car, but then I was able to actually start listening to it on the grass or riding my bike or whatever. So um or on your motorcycle. Or my mini bike, yeah, that's right. That I never got, yes. Had to bring that
2: wound up, didn't I? Yes. Sorry. Painful.
1: Go on. (laughs) (laughs) So if that was it for me, the trend. What about you, Snowball?
2: Well, um, the fast food trend obviously started really in the 1970s. -hmm. You know, McDonald's had their uh, Big Mac and Burger King had the Whopper. But then you got into the 80s, and they kind of had to start differentiating themselves from their competitors. So they started getting really creative. And in 1981, the McRib was created. Was it really around that long. Wow. And the chicken McNugget. I remember the McNugget coming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So definitely we weren't eating healthier. We were eating faster. (laughs) And we were eating different. Yeah. But I mean the nuggets really weren't chicken and the McRibs I don't know how much you know Rib Meat was was in.
0: You know what I completely forgot? We all forgot about this last week we're doing 1985 was 1985 is when the McPizza came out. That's oh, course. really? Yeah, along with... I think the McDLT came out then, too. It might have been 86. We'll find out. Yeah. So, And also the Puddin' Pop came out. Oh, ah, thank you, Bill Cosby. <laughs> so for me, um, when I think about 1985 and things that are culturally specific... or I'm sorry, 1981, uh, things that were culturally specific to that time... I think of video game rooms. Um, when I was younger, like there weren't a lot of game rooms, but like when you're getting like into eighty one to eighty two, like video game rooms are popping up everywhere. Like arcades? Like, yeah. Um, shopping malls, uh, small towns, like they would be um, you know, next to a video store or something. So video game rooms became pretty big. Like, you're watching the beginning of Fast Times Ridgemont High, and these kids are playing these video games in this game room in the Ridgemont Mall. There's all kinds of games. Like, that. that's probably bigger than most game rooms I ever saw. Because, you know, they, they were, you know, decent size, but um, it seemed like that one was pretty much on steroids.
1: And it wasn't always just an arcade. Like, mm-hmm. you might go to the grocery store that you always went yeah. to, and all of a sudden there's miss Pac-Man or Pac-Man or whatever it was or you go to pizza hut and all of a sudden there's yeah. a couple of games there so they started showing up in places besides just the arcade oh, it was yeah. like it was they're thinking kids are dropping quarters yeah in here by the dollar load let's right so i mean and you would walk in and they were they were being used yeah all the time so well kind of going hand in hand with that would be
0: uh roller skating mm. i remember going to skating rinks a lot back then uh roller disco was kind of fading but people were still going to the skating rinks I remember some of the music being played back then, and, you know, you still live for those couple Moonlight Skates. You can hold hands with a girl yep. who really loved, I'm sure, holding my sweaty palm <laughs> going around in circles oh, yeah. for three and a half minutes. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. All right. Okay, well, let's go now into favorite TV show of 1981, Snowball. All right, my favorite TV show back then
2: was an action show, The Fall Guy. Mm. It premiered that year. It was number 26 that year. Um, It starred uh, Lee Majors, who played Colt Seavers. He was a Hollywood stuntman who moonlighted as a bounty hunter. Um, Also on the show were uh, Douglas Barr and Heather Thomas. So, great show. Um, Lee Majors even performed the uh, opening song, The Unknown
1: Stuntman, so... Yeah, I always liked that. I always thought that was a good opening. He's talking about all the women he's been with over the years. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a great way to just remind everybody. That's, yeah, right. <laughs> you know who I am, right? <laughs> Why don't we listen to a
0: little bit of that? I might fall from a tall building,
1: I might roll a brand new car. Cause the of the unknowns come and made Redford such a star. <laughs> uh, That's legendary. My yeah, majors
2: still love that song yes he goes from the six million dollar man to a stunt guy but great show and
0: I believe Heather Thomas made an appearance in the Living in the 80s Facebook page uh, a couple weeks ago yeah yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, and uh, not in
2: 1981 but in 82 Marky Post also joined the cast of so, Night Court no the cast of
0: Fall Guy oh really yes huh. I, I guess Night Court wasn't out yet yeah. I don't remember mm-hmm. being on there I don't either yep. remember Night Court though thought she was cute yeah.
1: Mhm. All right. Kevin. Do you guys remember a show called That's Incredible? Yes. Absolutely. Kathy Lee Crosby, mm. John Davidson, and Fran Tarkenton? Yes. yes. So they would have people on there that had strange or unusual uh, talents. talents. <laughs> yeah. uh, they would kind of have some paranormal-type stories sometimes. They had a guy one time who could talk really fast yes and that's where he made his, his big appearance he could talk really fast he then went on to do FedEx commercials he's yeah, in the Guinness yeah. book as the fastest talking man mm-hmm. um, there was a little kid on there one time whose dad took him on there he's five years old and he's really good at putting and so they had these different holes set up and he was making these putts from further back and it's Tiger Woods so he made his appearance on That's Incredible when he was five so wow. I always found that show to be interesting um, yeah I watched that all the time as a kid yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fran Tarkenton.
2: Yeah,
1: he's okay
2: quarterback. Okay talk show host. <laughs> he so <laughs> good. Bit. Kathy what? Crosby. Mm. And you know
0: what? He's the first NFL quarterback to ever lose four Super Bowls. Good for him. Yeah, Jim Kelly. You know, I was so gonna say Jim Kelly's on, so the guy, second I one. That. I assume. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Fran Tarkenton As a kid, he was uh, one of my favorites. He yeah. was. He, he was, was a scrambler. He was a scrambler. Yes, very good. So, my favorite TV show in 1981. This is when I started watching Georgia Championship Wrestling, (laughs) as I stare at Snowball. That was a good year. My brother and his friend Toby Book would watch this, and they kept trying to get me to watch it. I'm like, no, I'm not watching, I don't care. So one weekend, we're at my Aunt Louise's house in Kentucky, And there was absolutely nothing else to do, nothing to do, (laughs) and so she had cable. It was either that or go uh carp fishing with your hand, or what is that called? (laughs) Carp fishing with your (laughs) hand. So it came on, Chuck's like, Hey, wrestling's coming on. Like, well, I'm stuck, I gotta watch it. I was hooked, like, I was in on it, you know, I knew that you know predetermined her outcomes and so forth, but. Didn't matter. I love it. Tommy Rich, The Freebirds, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes. I could not wait every week after that for
1: next several years. I I was a wrestling fan. So you were not a wrestling fan. This is when it all started. Was eighty-one when it started. Yes. Wow. And so Chuck was a fan before you. You was your younger brother. Yeah, probably
0: by a few months. Huh. They started watching. Now I do remember. Wrestling being on TV as a kid, like maybe on Channel 6 or something, mm-hmm. like Saturday afternoons, and I don't even know where it was even coming from, but it was poor quality. Poor quality. Very it possibly bad. it was probably the care. Sheik's territory out of Detroit, probably. most likely. Probably. probably. In case huh. you wanted to know, <laughs> sure you were dying to know. <laughs> That's pretty wild. It all started in 81. Yeah. yeah. For them, yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah. So uh, I also liked Duke's Hazard and Three's Company back then. Yeah. Parents wouldn't let me stay up. To watch
2: Three's <laughs> Company yet? It's, it's nine thirty. Gotta go to bed.
1: Got it, Mom. Go to bed.
0: You know how much I love that, Chrissy. <laughs> Can I at least watch the beginning? Okay. Favorite movie of
1: 1981. So for me, this was one year before I started going to the movies. Um, yeah. I always
0: love how you state that. <laughs> yeah, well, because I didn't see a movie in 81. It's sort of like BC either. and AD for him. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's right. But looking back, I'd have to say Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, yeah. I, the first one I saw, actually, was uh, in, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, But I loved that, and then I went back later and got to see Raiders of the Lost Ark and loved it. Nice.
2: i The movie Stripes. Mm, good one. <laughs> great movie, number 18 that year. Surprised it wasn't actually higher. Great characters on there. Obviously, you had Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, um, but you also had uh, great characters like Dewey Oxberger, who's played by my John favorite Candy. actor, John Candy, <laughs> who joins the army just to lose weight. <laughs> and you got Francis Psycho Sawyer, you know, <gasps> whose famous line is, if you call me Francis, I'll kill you. <laughs> Any guy lighting up Francis right. so <laughs> well, says that. Sergeant Holka, is this your classic hardcore drill sergeant? So yes,
0: I love that movie.
2: Um, I guess probably my favorite scene is—I uh, don't know if you remember—they, uh, their, their whole company gets basically <laughs> captured, and they're in Czechoslovakia, and uh, you know, typical Bill Murray—he's like, yeah, we zip in, we pick them up, we zip out again. We're not going to Moscow. It's Czechoslovakia. It's like going to Wisconsin. And then Bill <laughs> character says, Well, I got the crap kicked out of me in Wisconsin, so, <laughs> so forget it. Oh, I remember that being on the movie channel
0: all the time, and I probably watched it every time it was on there. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah.
2: Great movie. Yeah, all in one day, um, Murray's character, John Winger, loses his job. He loses his apartment. He loses his girlfriend. And he loses his car. So that's why he decides to join the military. He's lost everything. He's got right? no other options. And he convinces his buddy to join with him. So He just does.
1: Yeah. Okay. He's <laughs> a pacifist, right? Yes, there he is. is. <laughs> yep. that's, right. that's a great line. I just want you to know I'll be right behind you. whole <laughs> yeah. way. That's great.
0: As Kevin falls yep. down, getting out of his chair. All right, Kevin. What about your favorite movie of 1981?
1: Well, <laughs> this was a year before I went to the movies. <laughs> of course, uh, but then, wait, I had this to go here before. Yeah, okay. but I would have to go with Raiders of Lost Ark. That's right. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks like, to the 70s. <laughs> right.
0: Call me Green Machine. Yes, you did just go through this. <laughs> or were you not listening to him? so went nobody listens to me. <laughs> Just for your benefit, I will not edit that out.
1: <laughs> I will leave that on. There. That is hilarious. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm I'm pretty forgettable, well, so right, I understand. Well, it. right, right after I said, I'm like, he already. Went. <laughs> and then it all hit me. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Rob, what was your favorite movie? Well, my favorite movie
0: was Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Ooh. Yeah. So. That's um, scary. Yeah, it scared me to death. I yeah, not watching that. First time I saw it was uh, at home alone with my brother Chuck. And uh, my parents were out of town, and I don't know why in the world they left us at home. I was only 14, so it made Chuck like 12. And uh, so we watched Friday 13th, part one and two, and there was a thunderstorm outside. Mm. That's a fact with my hand up. So we're on the couch, like, mm. so pretty crazy.
1: Coolest celebrity of 1981, Kevin. I would think you gotta say Princess Diana. Is she a celebrity? I, mean, I think yeah, yeah she's she's absolutely a celebrity. Celebrity. Sure. She got married that year. Um seemed like everybody loved her. Yeah. You know. Um no one could understand why she married such a dork. Oh, he was a dork. He still is a dork. He's still a dork. He yeah, he's still a dork. He's about to be king yeah. of some country. Uh, to me he's always gonna be a dork. <laughs> yeah, he's a dork. He's a lifetime of dorkiness. Yeah. So Yeah, but but uh, yeah, Princess Diana for sure. No. Yeah. Cool
0: i got to circle back to Bill Murray. got it. That's what I had. Oh. That's, he
1: was, well, here,
2: go ahead. Tell us why he's cool. I'll come up with somebody else. Go ahead, Rob. No, you go Nope. Ahead. Nope. Go ahead. Tell well, yours.
0: I'm thinking stripes. I'm thinking meatballs. Uh, his SNL stuff. Like, everything he did was absolutely hilarious. Just always cracked me up. Um, it just, he just seemed like he'd be somebody cool to just hang out with. So.
2: Do you think the reality was he was probably a real pain in the rear?
1: He probably is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's real quite old curmudgeon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard that. But but you know, in the in the movies he always seems like he's not making fun of people. Like like Spaz, for instance, which I, yeah. I don't think he's allowed to say that anymore. Spaz. Spaz.
0: Spaz.
1: Spaz. 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 spaz, 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 spaz. The kid Spaz, you know, he he's trying to Encourage help him, talk to the girls. To yeah, early, so I, I thought, you know, it seemed like yeah. no. Yeah, that's it is a term you don't hear anymore. Spaz. Yeah, yeah.
0: And Carl Spackler was a funny guy. So, mm-hmm. like, he yes. just you know, whatever he did was was great. Yeah. So I I'm sorry.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, the epitome uh, of cool on the female side, Christy Brinkley. Yeah. Mm. She didn't talk a whole lot. She didn't it. have to. Didn't, didn't need have to. to. Three I think three straight years mm-hmm. SI cover girl.
1: Marries Billy Joel. <laughs> another door. <laughs> well, I know. well, I shouldn't say that. No, um, make Tammy mad because she's seen him in concert like nine times. but uh, yes. that's, that's true. But, but yeah, the when two... you talking... Even Billy Joel was like, I'm not really sure what she sees in me. Yeah, like, like
0: Lyle Lovett marrying Julia Roberts. Right. Or, um... Misty marrying Snowball. Yeah, Misty and Snowball. <laughs> I mean, it was guys like that that gave me hope, you know? <laughs>
1: so
2: it was like, hey, maybe I could get I a can't good... I can aim high, there. right? Exactly. So I can do this.
0: I can hook a babe. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a break here. We'll be back, our last segment. We're going to be talking about our favorite music of 1981. Stay tuned. If you like living in the 80s, be sure to check out the 80s Rewind Show. Based in the U.K., my guy Robbie scores some great interviews with several artists that were part of the U.K. music scene in the 80s. You can find the 80s Rewind Show on Apple, Spotify, or just about anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out the 80s Rewind Show. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. We are on our final segment tonight of 1981, and we're going to be talking about some of our favorite songs of 1981. Now, for me, there are lots of songs I could have chosen, but we'll wait for me. Cause you're gonna have more than one. <laughs> no, I, I promise you I limited myself to one song really. This time. Okay, because yes. it actually
2: was a very good year in music. It was so. a great year, mm-hmm. yeah. So I get to go first? Yes. Yeah, Alright. Well, my favorite song from 1981 is The Stroke by Billy Squire.
1: Spread the ear pollution! Both far and wide. Keep your contribution!
0: That was an amazing song. Oh, okay, good. And I,
2: you, I don't get that out of Rob too often. <laughs> you know
0: what? When, you, when you bring up songs like that, you're going to get the Rob seal of approval every time. All right.
2: Well, uh, Billy Squire wrote this song at the age of 31. He'd already been in the industry for 12 years. He was struggling, obviously, if he hadn't had a hit song yet. And everybody thinks this is a song about sex and, you know, but it's not. It's actually about the music industry and you have to have the stroke and you got to do what the record company wants you to do. You know, you necessarily don't get to write the songs you want to write. You write the songs they want you to write. So it's just really a recap of what it takes to,
0: to make it. Shaking in hands it. and greasing palms. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. It's a great mm-hmm. one. Also like a great that. walk-up song too. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, to for base, for...
0: <laughs> or for wrestling.
2: It would be a good wrestling one too. Yep. Tyler Naquin used to uh, use that when he was with the Indians and the Reds.
1: Uh, the girls would be just screaming, uh,
2: you know. <laughs>
1: in, in Blades of Glory, the the movie, the the, the skating movie with, with Will uh, yeah, that was his. Yes, it was, that was his the song. opening, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sex so on
0: absurd. ice. So absurd. So <laughs> absurd.
1: I love that movie. I do too. Very funny. How about you, Kevin? It's my song. favorite song. I'm gonna go with "Winning" by Santana. Oh, good. There's one. a lot of good ones in '81, but um, it sounds almost like Santana, doesn't it? Yeah, Santana. Winning by Santana. Santana. Yeah. It's a long Santana. Santana.
0: For me, uh, it's Hey 19 by Steely Dan. I have loved that song my ever since I first heard it. It's just so smooth. Kind of like a yacht rock feel. Um, when I very first heard it, it's funny how songs bring you back to moments and stuff. I remember my friend David Yuska. It was me and him and his dad, Ed. We had gone, took this one day and went to a record convention downtown Columbus at the Vets Memorial Arena. And then all these different record record vendors and stuff. And I was able to get a few records and uh, some back issues of Rolling Stone. I remember I got one with the Police on the cover, mm. which I thought was super cool. Because that was like one of the bands I was really getting into at the time. And after we left there, we went to a couple other record stores. And I remember being in the car. We are on campus around Ohio State. And the song came on. And that, it, you know, it just struck me. I'm like that's a great song. Hmm. And it has been with me ever since. I can't turn that song off when it comes on. Very cool. Infectious. So. All right. uh, Worst song of 1981. Kevin, you go first on this one. Worst
1: song. Um...
0: Because, you know, it was the good, the bad, and the ugly. The 80s were. Yeah. So, I mean, all decades were. But the 80s had more good than any other decade. (laughs) But...
1: Yeah, but there's going to be some bad in there. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to know what I'm going to go with. Oh, yeah, do it. Sukiyaki. My <laughs> taste, taste of honey. <laughs> that is bad.
0: It's so because of you. I'm feeling sad and new. You went away.
1: Now my life is just a rainy day. I love you so much. Rob likes that song I do like do it? you really and I do it's a great love song it charted really it? high it's been it covered by a lot of people I've never yeah, liked it like the it.
0: original cover was like sold like 4 million copies worldwide I mean, it, was, it was
2: the number 22 song of the year can you believe
1: that that's crazy huh. and I didn't know until today Taste of Honey sang Boogie Oogie Oogie from yes, the 70's they, so they sure are.
0: did yeah they had a, a good disco career I actually like that is, song a lot better this is like the back end of their little run from like 77 to 81 uh, they were you know somewhat known but yeah I always like Tsukiyaki <laughs> about you snowball I'm still looking <laughs> okay we'll come back to you <laughs> for me Like, I automatically am going to gravitate towards the artists that I can't stand the most. Makes sense. I'm going to say... Babs? Is it Babs? Yeah, you got it. Woman in Love by Barbara Streisand. You're consistent. Yes, I am. Terrible, horrible, awful. Her voice, the music, the record label that would have signed her. (laughs) You don't like any of them. (laughs) There's none of that that I enjoy. So, Barbara Streisand, Woman in Love would be... The most dreadful song of 1981 mm. for me.
1: I like that song. but I know you can't stand Barbra I'll treat you <laughs> sukiyaki. <for laughs> okay, fair deal. <laughs> there we go.
0: All right, Snowball.
2: All right, it's uh, John Schneider's rendition of It's Now or Never. Ooh,
0: that is bad. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm yeah. with you there. I don't think I remembered hearing it back when it was out, but it's probably a couple years ago you ever, like, I'd like to listen to music in the shower. And so I'm, I'm listening to an old, like, iHeartRadio has this Casey Kasem's American Top 40. Yeah. And they'll play these, you know, replays of Countdowns from back then. So it's one time, it's on 1981. So I get in the shower... Got your fair shampoo lathered up. You've got it, man. I'm all lathered up, soaked up. You're trapped in there. The song before was probably really good, and then that came on. And Casey introduces it. Re- re- remake of the Elvis classic, It's Now or Never, and here's John Schneider. And so I know him from Dukes of Hazard. Great show. Love Bo Duke. Bo Duke. But I'm like, my first thought was like, ooh, this is not going to end well. And I'm listening... And he starts singing just from the first note. I'm like, ooh, that is that is bad. But I'm in the shower. <laughs> I've got the fair shampoo on. I can't get oh, out. My. I'm stuck. I'd listen to that whole dang thing. <laughs> and it was terrible. I think
2: you need to play for everybody else now so they can
0: <sighs> feel your pain. You know what? I think you're right. I don't usually play the worst songs, but in this case, here you go. It's now or never oh. so bad. So bad. You know what? I think it might steal yours. That might be worse than Woman in (laughs) Love. All right. So our last thing here, we are going to talk about the hidden gem. So this is a song that maybe most people may not know. Uh, Maybe it's a B-side. Maybe it's an album cut. Maybe it's just from some obscure band that no one's ever heard of. So Mike, we'll start with you. Your Hidden Jim from 1981. Okay. Well, I gotta give a shout out to the best band on the North Coast,
2: Michael Stanley Band. Mm. Of course. Falling in Love Again. reached number 64 very Midwestern sound kind of a soulful ballad but a great song so if you if you've grown up if you didn't grow up pretty much in the Midwest you probably aren't very familiar with Michael Stanley
0: band give them a try yeah yeah I will agree I I like that song I, th- I think you had mentioned something about a Michael Stanley Band song on a podcast a while back. So it got me to thinking, because I knew like two or three songs. Mm-hmm. So I went back and listened to them on Apple Music. And like, I was like, every song just, I mean, it just sounded like 1981. Sounds a little dated in a good way. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, that just kind of takes you back. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I recommend, I highly recommend going back to listen to any Michael Stanley Band. You get your hands on there. Kevin, what about you, buddy?
1: <clears throat> well, this artist is not obscure, but this song's not one of her bigger ones. Um, it, it charted, but um, Fire and Ice by Pat Benatar. Oh, yeah. Good one. You forget I've seen you work before. Take them straight to
0: Benatar, love her. I always have. Uh, that Fire and Ice song is a very good one.
1: Yeah, it might be one of my favorites by by her. I mean, I like it better than some of them that were, did much much better, like "Love Is a Battlefield." So, totally agree. So, mine is one from a local band as well. Um,
0: this band's from Columbus, Ohio. Ooh, and this is a the song, Ohio State marching band. Well, <laughs> almost as big. Hang as on, the, Sloopy. Almost as big as the Ohio State marching band. Uh, This song got some airplay here in Columbus, but not much beyond. Uh, My song is No Lip from Punks by The Muffs.
1: Oh, I love that. You introduced me to that song, and I love that song. I was yeah. waiting for some McGuffey Lane or something like oh, that. Better than that.
0: Could have very well used some McGuffey Lane.
1: So that that song that that is truly a hidden gem. Yeah, yeah, that's very local. Yeah. good for you guys both. come up with very local music. That's I should think of Julie obscure. Ivory and Snapshot. <laughs>
0: So uh, we're gonna close out here Uh, next week. We're gonna come back with let's go 1989 next week. Great year, 1989. So we'll come back talk about that. But for 1981, what could have been my favorite song of the year? That's not Hey Nineteen. Maybe even better. See, this is where he goes. Yeah, I'm waffling. I'm waffling. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna. Oh well, here it goes. (laughs) This is one John Cougar with ain't even done with the night. Guys, we'll see you next week. Take care and God bless.
1: And I don't like nobody touching my stuff. So just keep your meat hooks off. If I catch any of you guys in my stuff, I'll kill you. Lighten up, Francis. (laughs)